You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Acts chapter number 11. It's been good to be in church on Sunday morning. If you're glad you're saved, say amen. All right, if you're really glad about it, say amen again. Amen. It's good to be uh, heaven bound with the hammer down. Amen. Couldn't go to hell if someone told you to save to the uttermost, and we know that we are. And thank God for church on Sunday morning. We have freedom to worship. Amen. We have freedom and liberty to serve the Lord, and I don't want to take it for granted. I want to wring every drop of it out that we can get in the time that we have, because one of these days we might look back on these days and say we should have given it more. We should have pressed harder. We should have put more into it because we might not have the ease of serving God that we have now in the days ahead. So let's give it all we got till Jesus comes. Amen. Acts chapter number 11. If you'll stand with me, it'll give you a chance to stretch. And we'll read just a few verses in Acts chapter 11. And then we'll read the book of Revelation together out loud. I'm kidding. I want you to wake up this morning. I feel like you're a little bit sleepy. I might have to come down and preach down low. I don't know. We'll see. Acts chapter 11, verse number 22. The Bible said, Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad, and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And I want you to see this, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. And that's good for now, young fellows. I appreciate your help. I want to draw your attention back to verse number 24. Look what the Bible says. The Bible says in this short little biography of Barnabas, he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And watch this. And much people was added unto the Lord. D.O. Moody preached to millions of people. D.O. Moody preached in Europe, and as he preached, a man heard him preach named F.B. Meyer. F.B. Meyer surrendered to be a soul winner after hearing D.L. Moody preach. F.B. Meyer traveled to the United States and preached in Furman College. And as he preached there, there was a young student that was about to drop out of college. And after hearing F.B. Meyer preach on being a soul winner, this young preacher, this young student, determined to stay in college and be a soul winner. His name was R.G. Lee. F.B. Meyer was preaching another meeting, and he preached that meeting, and a man got saved named J. Wilbur Chapman. J. Wilbur Chapman preached and had a young disciple named Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday won thousands of souls, and combined these men won millions of souls. But all of those souls are traced back to a soul winner, a man named Edward Kimball. Edward Kimball got a burden to see not millions of souls saved, but one soul saved, a young man named Dwight, who worked in a shoe store. He won that man who won that man who won the other man, and then millions of souls saved because of a soul winner. Do you ever stop to consider every Christian that has ever been or is in the world now 
they're all the fruit of 120 soul winners. 120 soul winners who prayed for power. And on the next day they went out and they witnessed and won 3,000 souls to Christ. Soul winning is not a thing. Soul winning is the main thing. Churches don't die because they go soul winning too much. Churches don't die because they go soul winning too much. Churches die because they don't go soul winning enough. This morning I want to preach on this thought, much people added. Much people added. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for your power to preach this morning. I pray that you would not let the devil hinder us today. I pray that you remove every distraction. I pray that you put a real burden on the heart of your people to reach those who are one heartbeat from hell. I pray you'd help us to be soul winners. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. At the very center of the heart of God is the salvation of sinners. The salvation of sinners is the reason we have a Bible. The salvation of sinners is the reason Jesus left heaven and came to earth. The salvation of sinners is the reason Jesus was born of a virgin. The salvation of sinners is the purpose behind every miracle Jesus ever performed, every word Jesus ever spake, and every prayer that Jesus ever prayed. When Jesus visited a city, he did not visit for recreation. He didn't visit for relaxation, but he went to reach those that were dying in their sin. The salvation of sinners is the point of Gethsemane. The salvation of, the, of sinners is the climax of the cross. Every lashing of the whip, every smack of the palm, every piercing of the crown of thorns, every slice of the scourge, every ball of spit, every bead of blood, every hour of agony on Calvary was all for the salvation of sinners. Paul wrote to us and said, For this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And there's no questioning the fact that if Jesus were here today, bodily, Jesus would be busy soul winning. Jesus was a fisher of men. Jesus was a physician seeking those sick in sin. Jesus was after those uh, that were lost sheep in the wilderness of this world. The Bible said he came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And like a, like a woman seeking a lost piece of silver, Jesus swept through our world seeking for a soul in need of salvation. Now today there's many things Jesus did that you and I cannot do. You and I cannot turn water into wine. We'll never watch as a withered hand is healed by our word. You and I aren't going to visit a funeral and see the dead man come to life again. You and I will never spit in the dirt, make mud, apply it to the eyes of one who is blind, and then the blind man suddenly see. You and I are never going to heal a leper with our touch. You and I aren't going to stop an issue of blood from tormenting somebody's body. You and I aren't going to walk on the surface of the sea, speak to the wind and tell it to be still and watch it obey our word. We're not going to take a handful of food and feed thousands of people with it. There are some things this morning that are beyond our ability to do. There are things that only God himself can accomplish. But there's one thing that we can do that Jesus did. There's one thing Jesus did that all of us can do. We can do the thing today that is closest to the heart of God. We can do that which took him to the cross. We can do that which caused him to endure the scourging. We can do that which made him have the nails driven through his hands. I'm going to switch to the pulpit.
that Jesus did in every city and every town and every village that he ever visited. We can't do a lot, but we can do the one thing that God would do if he were sitting in these pews today. We can be a soul winner. It doesn't matter if you've been saved days or decades. It doesn't matter if you've been saved moments or years. Every Christian can and every Christian should be a soul winner. George W. Truett said, the bringing of one soul to Jesus Christ is the highest achievement possible to mankind. It's amazing to think about what Jesus made much of. But then stop and think about what most churches and Christians make much of in our generation. It's amazing how much time we waste toiling over things that are unnecessary. And how little time we devote to that thing which is the most important thing in this world. We have committees on how to decorate the church. We have boards on how to run the church. We have programs filled with opportunity to fellowship in the church. But where's the emphasis on fishing for men that are dying in their sin? John R. Rice said the business of the local church is to keep people from burning in hell. I'm afraid soul winning is a term that's gone the way of the dinosaur or the Sunday school in most places. It's basically shelved in modern churches, and the results are very evident. We've gone from being evangelistic to evangelical. We've gone from putting the emphasis on witnessing to an emphasis on worship as a cloak to get out of witnessing. I mean, why in the world would a church have three services a week if they're not soul winning? There's not enough people to fill the pews anyway. Why in the world would you sing old hymns filled with doctrine and conviction if you're not soul winning? They'd bother your heart too much anyway. Why in the world would you emphasize separation and standards if you're not soul winning? You just want to win people to yourself and not Jesus anyway. Can I say I'm not interested in that kind of a church and I'm not interested in that kind of a Christianity. I don't want to be evangelical. I want to be evangelistic. Historically Baptist churches like this one have been known for their emphasis on soul winning. But now these kind of churches are known for their dying attendance. There's a lot of things we can do that are okay but only one thing we can do that's the purpose for why we've been left here on this earth. There's really only one reason today why you're breathing air. There's really only one reason today why you and I have life. And by the way, it's not fellowship. It is the fish for men. I don't believe God's impressed with a church that has a full schedule. I don't believe God's impressed with a church that has a packed program. I don't believe God is impressed with the church that has every opportunity in this world to have fun, and I'm for all of those things. But I believe God's happy with the church that gives all their attention to the Great Commission and the reaching of souls for Jesus Christ. Soul winning was the main business of our Savior. Soul winning is the main purpose of the Christian, and soul winning ought to be the main program of the local church. Mark 16, 15 says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The Bible command is to go out and preach to anything that's breathing air. But can I say that command's not just for the preacher, that command's for every born-again person. Every sinner that's breathing air ought to be a candidate to hear the gospel. And every Christian that's breathing air ought to be given to the business of soul winning. Soul winning is isn't a gift. Soul winning is a command. Soul winning is not a talent. Soul winning is a duty. Soul winning is not a hobby. Soul winning is our purpose. It is the initial work of a born again person. Here's what I fear. I fear we add titles to our Christianity and when we add titles we subtract our purpose. What I mean is we add Sunday school teacher and subtract our purpose. We add deacon and subtract our purpose. We add college professor and subtract our purpose. We might add bus driver but 
subtract our purpose. We add mother and subtract our purpose. We add father and subtract our purpose. I'm not supposed to subtract soul winning from my title. I might add a title. I might add a position, but never at the death of soul winning. I ought to be a teacher that's a soul winner. I ought to be a professor that's a soul winner. I ought to be a bus worker that's a soul winner. I ought to be a father that's a soul winner. I ought to be a deacon that's a soul winner. I ought to be a mother that's a soul winner. Surgeons do surgery. Mechanics turn wrenches. Bakers make food. And Christians ought to be soul winners. Churches never die from going soul winning too much. They die when they quit going at all. Now, I know we had a softball league, and this isn't a shot at that, but when more men play softball than go soul winning, the church is in trouble. No church ever died because they got too excited about the bus ministry. No church ever died because they put too much work in their Sunday school. No church ever died because they spent too many hours out on Saturdays knocking doors. No church ever died because they had gospel tracts blanketing their city during the week. No church ever died because they had more Saturday soul winning than a church social. But churches do die when soul winning becomes a secondary thing and witnessing is only done occasionally. The Bible says they went daily house to house and most churches, even good Bible-believing churches, have regulated soul winning down to once a quarter, uh, twice a year, maybe once a month. And they make a big day. A day out of it. Saturation Saturday. Every day ought to be saturation when it comes to soul winning. Monday, saturation Monday. Tuesday, saturation Tuesday. Tuesday, the Wednesday, saturation Wednesday. And on it goes. Soul winning every single day. You say, I don't like that kind of pressure. I do. You know why? Because I don't want to be tasked with us having to try to fill a 3,000 seat auditorium with 200 people because we don't go soul winning. Every choir member ought to be a personal soul winner. Before you get to sing a note in that choir, you ought to have to go soul winning. Every Sunday school teacher ought to be a soul winner. It ought to be able to be said about you and much people was added unto the Lord. How are you going to teach your children about Jesus if you don't do what Jesus is doing? A man ought not get in the pulpit and preach if he won't preach on the street. There's no business a man has in a pulpit if he's not willing to knock a door. Every preacher ought to be a personal soul winner. Amen. How are we going to sing rescue the perishing and care for the dying if we're not caring for the dying and rescuing the perishing? Every Christian school teacher ought to be a soul winner. Every Christian school teacher ought to be a soul winner. How can we set the example for our students if we're not following the example of the Savior? Every college professor ought to be a public professor of Christ in their city. Academics, and I'm against academics. I'm still paying off mine. Academics aren't going to bring revival, though. They're not going to save our world. But training up a generation of soul winners might just bring revival. Everyone wants a great church. Everyone wants an exciting church. Everyone wants a growing church. But few are willing to give the effort to what makes a church grow, exciting, and build. You say, what makes a great church? A great pastor? Not necessarily. Is it great people? Not necessarily. It's a group of people that get busy doing what Jesus would do if he was here today. Soul winning produces everything you need in a church. I wish we had more programs. Let's go soul winning. We can start more. I wish we had more Sunday school. We could start more. We had more soul winning. I wish we had more money. We'd get money if we'd go soul winning. I know we're busy and I know we live in a weird time, but it's no excuse not to go soul winning. God blesses what he loves. You know what he loves? Soul winning. God loves soul winning because he loves sinners and he wants them to get saved. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. Not when that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. A lady was sitting in a hotel lobby, a very rich woman, and this little preacher man walked in there and began to witness to her. And she began to weep about her soul and she got saved. The man walked out the room, and that lady's husband came in. She said uh, to him, or he said to her, what in the world's wrong with you? Why are you weeping? She said, the strangest little man came in here and talked to me about my soul. He said, if I'd have been here, I'd have told him to leave and mind his own business. 
She said, if you'd have been here, you'd have thought he was minding his business. And can I tell you, that is his business. Say amen right there. And that's my business, and that's your business. This isn't a YMCA, it's NVBC. It's not just a social club. It's not the Masonic Lodge. We don't kiss somebody's ring and do some weird handshake. We're here to preach the gospel. I might not preach again until after Christmas, so I'm preaching against everything today. Church is not just a gathering place. It's a going place. It's not come, get, go home and sit. It's come, get, go out and serve. Luke 14, 23, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. Proverbs eleven thirty, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. There's a rich man burning in hell right now that wanted five brothers to get saved. He prayed for soul winners. But I wonder when's the last time you and I lost sleep over a burden because we have children that'll bust hell wide open if they don't get saved. We have a spouse that lays in the bed with us at night that might go to hell if they don't get saved. We have grandchildren, maybe in another city, but they're not saved. When's the last time we lost sleep over someone like that? When's the last time you had a burden for a sinner? When's the last time you handed out a gospel track? When's the last time you knocked a whole street full of doors? When's the last time somebody sat in a church pew because you brought them to church? When's the last time somebody got baptized because you want them to Christ? When's the last time you played a role in getting them to the Lord? When's the last time you found yourself on your knees at an altar next to a sinner with your Bible open saying, look right here. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Other places might get low pressure. Other places might be about fun and games. But may it never be said of this place that we don't care about sinners. We don't care about souls. We'll just let them go to hell. No, must I go and empty handed? Oh, I don't want to meet my Savior so. I want to take a soul with me when I stand before the Lord. God help us. Someone's going to reach them. In fact, they're already being reached. The liquor crowd's already reaching them. Saw it yesterday. Men with bottles can't even buy a shirt for their back, but they can buy booze one way or another. They got reached before we reached them. The dope pusher reaches them. He's a better soul winner than we are. He doesn't waste a day to get his money. He gets out there and finds those that need it, and he makes sure they get what they need. They're getting reached. The perverts are reaching them. They're very zealous. A woman here in this state took down the American flag and hung up the gay pride flag and made her little children do the Pledge of Allegiance to that flag because she said the American flag offended her. That kind of offends me a little bit. Need a soul winner. Somebody's going to reach them. The political crowd's going to reach them. The fitness gurus reach them. I wonder, would this church live on or die if the soldering was left up to you? Will this church grow? I told Brother Flood, I said, it's going to be kind of quiet, I think, today. Will this church grow or would it die if the people added to this church all depended on me and you? What kind of a church would we have in a decade if everyone put as much effort into evangelism as you do or as I do? My fear is this, would there still be a North Valley Baptist Church for our children if everybody just put as much effort in the Great Commission as we do? It's convicting to me to think that this is what Jesus commanded me to do. And also Jesus promised to enable me to do. And yet oftentimes it's the last thing I do. I might have an excuse for apathy if he said, Justin, walk on water. Because I can't. I might have an excuse for apathy if he said, would you please feed all these thousands of people with just a couple biscuits and some fish sticks. I can't do that. I might have a reason for apathy if he said, hey, Bartimaeus is over here and I need you to be his optometrist. Could you make him see? I can't do that. So Jesus said, here, I'm going to ask you to do something that you can do. Every person can do it. 
Brethren, see poor sinners round you, slumbering on the brink of woe. Death is coming, hell is moving. Can you bear to let them go? If you study the book of Acts, you study the Gospels, they were soul winning everywhere. Jesus went to synagogues, he went to wells, he went to a sycamore tree, he was on the seashore, on the hillsides, in the city, in little towns, in the graveyard, wherever he found somebody that needed to get saved, that's where Jesus was. In the book of Acts, they went everywhere. In fact, in our text, and we'll get there in about another two hours, in our text, they were scattered everywhere because of persecution. You know what they did? The devil tried to stomp out the fire of God, and the sparks went all over the world, and it started fires all over these, all over these other towns because there is soul winning. The reason God gives favor to a church is not because they're influential. God gives influence because they soul win. I'll give you some examples. J. Frank Norris had the ear of, of Harry Truman and Winston Churchill. Harry Truman's president of the United States. Winston Churchill, prime minister of England. You say, I wonder why he had the ear of them? Because he had a big church. They don't understand souls, but they understand boats. I tell you what, I tell you what would change our state. Boats. You get a church that's packed out. They can't deny a church. Like you get influence. Now, that's not why you go soul winning, but God will give soul, uh, influence to a church that goes soul winning. Charles Spurgeon had influence over London. You know why? Because his church was large, soul winning church. They said at Highland Park Baptist Church in the heyday of Lee Robertson on a Thursday night, there's Thursday night soul winning. They would have 350 to 400 people come out for Thursday night soul winning. We keep saying we want revival, but I think the revival we really need is just soul winning. Because if you go soul winning, you'll have revival. Even if you don't win someone to Christ, this is going to help you when you go because Jesus goes with you. Soul winning is going to a sinner, conferring them about their sin, telling them Jesus saves, and then leading them to make a decision about the gospel. He said, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, Jesus did it for you. Just go find them and tell them how Jesus did it for you. I, I was thinking about this in my office. I think about that Philippian jailer. Man, he'd seen some stuff. Been in prison. But he thanked God for soul winners. Paul and Silas. I think about that woman in Samaria. She's in a mess. But thank God Jesus was a soul winner. Throughout Nicodemus, wrapped up in religion. He couldn't get saved. He's too wrapped up in religion. But Jesus wanted him to cry to himself. I wish God would convict my heart about that. I was looking on my phone. I remember, I have notes on there. I remember the first soul I won to Christ. I remember when I was in college, secular college, I graduated from Fairmont State University in West Virginia. I remember I got saved in the fall of that semester. Amen. I just I got crazy about it because I hadn't been saved long enough to know that we're not supposed to be. So I just enjoyed it. I didn't have gospel tracks. I wasn't a pastor or anything. So I got my own from Fellowship Track League. And, you know, back in the day, they had the old bloody Jesus hanging on. I mean, they were very, people just looked at those things and thought, what in the world is this? But I got some that said passport on them. And I'd go over to my college campus and tell people, I'm taking a trip and I want to take somebody with me. I've already got a passport. And that didn't even make sense. You know, that's not even, but I'd hand it to them. I remember the first soul I won to Christ. I remember a boy in, in, in South Carolina at a juvenile detention center, Brother Whitlow, first soul I won to Christ, bigger than me. He should have been in the WWF if he wasn't in prison or whatever, but he's like 17 years old, big man. Man, I remember talking to him and he's hard as a rock. He's like preaching to Baptist people, just dead, just staring at But anyway, just, <clears throat> just hard. I, 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 but I, I told him, I, I left off the message and said, listen, I don't love you like I should. I don't, I'd rather be at home right now. It's Saturday, I'd like to be watching college football. I said, but I'll tell you this, Jesus loves you. I said, I used to be like you. I said, I've only been saved about a year and a half. I said, I understand where you're at. I said, I'll be honest with you. I said, your mom and dad might not love you. You're, you might not have anybody in here that loves you, but Jesus, and he started weeping, bowed his head and got born again. And that day we led 18 more people to Christ. And I called my mom and shouted over the phone and she passed out, couldn't believe it. I remember leading a man, I told him bus meeting one time, named Dwayne to the Lord in his basement. Dwayne had a Willie Nelson haircut. 
If you know what that is, you listen to the wrong kind of music. But Willie Nelson had a ponytail, uh, and this man did too. He's a Vietnam War veteran sitting down in his basement, had Harley Davidson motorcycle posters all over his basement. And so I sat there for about an hour. You know what we talked about for an hour? Harley Davidson motorcycles. You say, why'd you do that? Here's what I find. If you'll listen to them, they might listen to you. Let them know you didn't just step off the mothership and come down from Mars. Say amen right there. So we talked about Harley Davidson motorcycles for like an hour. I don't even know anything about them, but I, I'm a preacher, so I can make my way through. <laughs> and then after that, I said, man, you've been everywhere. And he had been. I said, I'm going to see something you'll never see. And I'm not a very good soul winner. He said, what's that? I said, I'm going to see streets of gold and gates of pearl. And just talked about heaven. I said, it'd be a shame if you saw Europe and Asia and all these things and didn't get to see heaven. I said, wouldn't you like to see heaven? He said, I would. And he bowed his head and got saved. I tell you, it stirred. I went to Dollar, Dollar General. They don't even have Dollar General out here, do they? But the Dollar General, by the way, $1 King James, King James Bible. Wrote his name in the front the day he got saved and gave it to him. And that night at dinner, his, his sister called me and said, Dwayne got saved. He told us all at dinner. He got saved. I said, hallelujah, he did. I was looking on my phone and my notes when I first moved here. Brother Chad Ith and I were knocking doors, actually on the street down there where you all are at, Peter. And uh, there was a young man there. First saw one to Christ in San Jose named uh, Juan was his name. He had a big tattoo right here of a gear or something off a car. I don't know what it was. And so Brother Chad showed him his tattoos. And we talked there for a while about that and um, compared. Just talk to him. I think he's 21 years old or something like that. You might remember that. But anyway, he bowed his head right there on his front porch and got born again. Got it on my phone. I wrote down the name uh, Christina. Ryan, I have their addresses. Cheyenne, apartment 22. Miguel, apartment 14. Robert, apartment 14. Carol, apartment 13. Paul, building C. Saul, apartment 4. Vince, building 1. Eddie, building 4. Joel Green, uh, on Greenleaf Drive. And uh, I remember that day me and Manuel Reyes and Brother Kevin Padillo, was the last day Brother Kevin went soul winning a couple years ago, but we went soul winning together. But man, it was on that day. We got out of uh, Brother Manuel's Jeep and uh, we got out of that. Remember that, those apartments? I remember, I remember the street. I mean, we didn't even have time to say boo and won like three people to the Lord that day. We were fired up about it. But I was looking through my notes, and from that, when we moved here, or, or not moved here, when we started our class in September till COVID shut us down, I had in my notes over 60 people that I was able to lead to the Lord, and then uh, with Brother Chad and other people like that, that we were able to lead to the Lord together. But I don't have a whole lot of names since then. So I don't think for me I'm preaching to brag, I'm preaching to say this, I've, I need to get back at it. Because here's what I think. A lot of churches complain about COVID restrictions in public, but they love it from their couch. And preachers get in the pulpit and bless God. I want my liberty. I want my freedom. But they love it because they don't have to go soul winning. Can I say folks are dying and going to hell while we sit here and play the game? In Acts chapter 11, we find a man's testimony. I don't have time to preach it now, but I'll just tell you. Named Barnabas. The Bible says a few things about Barnabas. He was a good man for the Holy Ghost. And of faith and much people was added unto the Lord. I want to say three things about Barnabas. Number one, if, if I see this right, you can be a soul winner. Here's what you need. Number one, get a personal testimony. Barnabas was a good man. Good man. You just need a testimony. If you've been saved, that's all you need to take soul winning with you. He said, but I don't know the Romans road and I don't know all these Bible verses. If you know what Jesus did for you, that is enough to get started. Get a personal testimony. Number two, Pray and get filled with power. He's full of the Holy Ghost in a faith. Here's the promise. We have the power of God to go soul winning. It makes no sense for a stranger to show up at somebody's doorstep on a Saturday morning while they're eating Cheerios and watching Saturday morning cartoons and all of a sudden you say, you know you're going to go to hell, right? And they agree with you and get saved. That makes zero sense. 
The only way for that to work is the Spirit of God has to be in it. Amen. And then lastly, here it is. The Bible said he went to seek Saul in verse 25. Get a personal testimony. Get prayed up and filled with power. And then get a partner to go with you. Jesus sent his disciples out two by two. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. That's the program. Here's the great thing about soul winning. My little boy is four years old. He can go with me. You have a family, they can go with you. You say, I don't have anybody to go soul winning with. Who do you live with? Get a partner and go. I wonder if some young couple would just commit to being a soul winning family. Some brother flood, a young couple ought to commit to starting a bus route. You're young and have energy. It ought not be people who are on the latter spectrum of their life doing all of this work. And we have a lot of young couples that do it, but there's still more that could. I wonder if you'd be a soul winner. The fields are wide unto harvest. The problems of laborers are few. Hell is real. And people go there every single day. Give me, Lord, thy love for souls for lost and wandering sheep, that I might see the multitudes and weep as thou dost weep. I had that written from my Bible. Here's what these young men did today for us. The bus kids did this. Yesterday, the bus kids took time to bundle tracks in bundles of seven. Know what that is? One track a day. Yes, but you know who wants you to do one track a day? People who live in absolute sin. Yeah. Squalor outside of church. They took time in bus church to do this so that you might reach the people in their home, in their apartments, and in our city. Yeah. Here's what I want to challenge you with. There's no doubt about it. Jesus wants you to be a soul winner. Yeah. If you're on staff at the church and you're not a soul winner, what are you doing? Get paid to do what people ought to do because they're saved. Yeah. All of us included. I wonder if you'd come to an altar today, maybe just one, maybe as a family, and say, we'll take seven. Every bundle should be gone. And would you commit this week, get rid of a track a day. You say, I'll get rid of all seven today. That's fine. That's fine. Doesn't matter. You want to do that? That's fine. But would you commit to getting rid of seven tracks this week? Amen. And then do this. Would you commit to coming soul winning on Saturdays because people need to get Amen. saved? Amen. I'm going to pray the altar be open. Very strange way for me to preach. I don't ever preach like this. But I know I've traveled enough and I'm not saying this is scary, but I know I've traveled enough and preached in big buildings like this to 20 people. And they tell you how it used to be and what it once was. And I'll tell you what happened. They had a slow leak because they quit soul winning and the thing sunk over time. I'm glad that's not happening, but I don't want it to happen. The balcony's got seats in it. Down here, there's seats. We need to go soul winning. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.